Welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. I'm John, and I'm the writer and creator of Afterlife Inc. And that uh, kind of faint whistling noise you hear is the sound of PJ not being here. So, um, as you may have guessed by the episode title, this is not the episode we had planned to put out. Um, not for any bad reasons, I would say arguably for an incredibly good reason. Uh, we've had to do things a little differently. Um, so you see, uh, um, PJ, my beloved co-host, is now a dad. And uh, we should say that uh, PJ's little lad uh, arrived a little earlier than expected. And as such, uh, we, we, we're taking a little hiatus. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a little break so that PJ and family can take the time they need to um, welcome the amazing new, <laughs> amazing new lad into the world. Um, just want to say uh, everyone's well, everyone's doing fine. But as you can imagine, uh, PJ's life uh, is pretty hectic right now. So he's doing uh, the things he needs to look after his loved ones. Uh, cannot stress enough, everyone is fine and well and very, very happy. And I hope you will join me in wishing them uh, nothing but the best for the future, uh, particularly as we ha- we now have, um, uh, I don't know, uh, another potential superhero to add to the fold who will no doubt grow strong under the rays of our yellow sun. So, um, so yeah, so um, sorry to say the JLA cast is going to take a little pause for a while. Uh, maybe a pause from like the regularly scheduled content. We'll try and keep you up to date on, on, on progress. We're not going to be gone forever. Certainly not. Um, uh, in fact, uh, rather than just leave you with dead air and rather than reading out the names of the Hyper Clan for uh, <laughs> another another hour, I am instead going to treat you to a bonus episode uh, recorded by myself and my colleague Nick from Big Punch Studios. Um, we're talking about AI arcs, which is very, um, which is very kind of... Um, well, it's, it's the spectre that's looming over all of us at the moment. And um, Nick and I were working in the studio this week, and um, we've been talking about it a lot because uh, it's affecting the lives of a lot of artists out there. Um, it's affecting the comic book industry quite, you know, quite, quite, quite a, quite a lot. And um, we had such thoughts on it that we decided to turn on the mic and record them. So you won't have heard Nick before on the show, but you have heard me before. Probably quite a lot, to be honest, because I like the sound of my own voice. So um, hopefully you'll enjoy this little digression as we get surprisingly, I don't know, I don't want to say intelligent, but I think i think we surprised ourselves. We actually sounded like we had real opinions on this. So yes, if you want to hear us talk um, uh, morality, creativity, and legality uh, about AI art, please stick around for the next hour and a half. That's just going to start playing as soon as I shut up. Um, or alternatively, you could turn off right now and... Um, 
hopefully we'll be back soon with another another update. So yeah, um, if, if we end up skipping a few more episodes, I'll try and fill it with fun oddities and things of interest. But for the time being, I hope you enjoy this guest episode from The Long Con featuring Nick and John. And again, I hope you'll join me in wishing PJ and family um, the greatest joy in the world. We're immensely happy for you all. Okay. We've got 25 hours of recording time. That will be just enough. Just enough. For yeah. what we have to talk about today. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, we want to talk about AI art. Hello, by the way. Yes. We're, we're back. We're back. It's, we're back. It's been a while. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself. Um, Who are you? I'm Nick. I'm John. Yeah. We make comics and games. This um, is our semi, semi-sporadic, I think even calling it... Very sp- sporadic. <laughs> annual, um, uh, annual podcast. Bi-annual podcast. Because we haven't done one since before Christmas, have we? Uh, no. Way before Christmas. Way before like, Christmas, Probably yeah. like October, September time. Yeah, because a lot's changed since then. That feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. An absolute that, age. We were making this podcast originally when we were part-time. Yes, we were in this weird halfway house. We would we? have two days a week to do our creative endeavours. Yes. And, and the other three days we would be spending at our day jobs. Miserable. <laughs> and it's it is wild because like even at the time it felt like going part time was like this great liberation. Like yeah. oh my god, like so how much time we suddenly have. And we filled that time so quickly. So quickly. To the point that it was like stifling. And it's it's funny in hindsight how it you, it's clear now that it wasn't enough. It, like it, it, it it's very clear like, now. Painfully obvious. Yeah. yeah. But I just feel like I feel like our lives have shifted into like a completely different. Like everything's different now. Yeah. Because like our life for like a year or a year and a half was like we spend two days probably on your kitchen table. Yep. Or up in your little little studio, quite cramped upstairs. little studio. Yeah. Yeah. A load of stuff up there, and like we'd. Uh, we'd go into town, you know, for lunch, get like a sandwich, come yeah, back, come you back. know. Yeah. And it was fun. Like, don't get it wrong. It was fun. I loved it. And like, we got a lot of stuff done. Highlight of the week, for sure. But like, uh, this is just another level. Yeah. Yeah. Because now, to set the scene, we are full-time. Our, we are. Our, our stuff, our own personal stuff. No day jobs at all. No day jobs. Um, and right now, we no are money. recording. <laughs> no money. No money. Uh, <laughs> crying every day. <laughs> into our soup. Um, and now we're recording from a studio. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a studio space now. Yes. Do you want, do you want to talk about your studio? Yeah. Where, where we yeah. are right now. So um, we're at a place uh, called Jolt in Gloucester, which is specifically for, it's got loads of these like unique, you know, uh, properly uh, separated rooms. You know, I've got a door, I've got a lock on the door. I can keep people out. Yeah. Um, we've, yeah, there's loads of these spaces. I think it's a legal definition of a room. It has, it, yeah, we have walls. We have walls and a door. And a door. And a door. Yeah. yeah, it does it, does it all. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to make the point, it uh, sounds dumb, but I kind of wanted to make the point that it's not like this one big shared space. It's like, I have a space. Yeah, no, this is... In, ver- in, yeah. Inside yeah. this sort of, this large area. And there's lots of these studios. Little and, Sanctum. Um, yeah, Little Sanctum, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there's lots of other artists here. And um, yeah, we've got everything here. We've got, we've got our computers. We've got like a table to do a lot of work on, which we're sat at right now. We decorated it to, to, our, to, you know, to our own. Well, you had a very clear vision of how you wanted it to look. I did, Because yes. you know me, if I had my way, it It'd would be a, white be a formless cube. Yeah, a formless white void. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a, a chair, but like an understated one. Maybe a one. chair, yeah. if you're lucky. Uh, but no, but we, so like celebrating like your proud uh, kind of Jamaican heritage. Absolutely, like, yeah. Like uh, a third of a room is green. Yeah. We've got, like, a big... I'd say it was a teal. To be, uh, to, more of a teal, To distinguish yeah, yeah. from my uh, <laughs> d- Jamaican roots. But yeah, because I, 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 I remember when you were showing me like the mock-ups of what you'd done in Photoshop and I was like, that's such a Nick idea. And, I was like, and also I love it. Like, it's really cool. I'm kind of like glad 
I have you around to do this kind of cool <laughs> shit because otherwise I would have just gotten everything white and it would have been really boring. But yeah, it's like red, yellow, green, and these big diagonal yeah, so segments dividing of the wall. Yeah. Lines. yeah, so the walls are very colourful. It's very cool. Um, yeah, like I wanted a studio space because I wanted... You know, I wanted a place that I could go to and like surround myself with, you know, inspiration and stuff I stuff I find exciting. But also, you know, there's 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 stuff I want and we want to be able to do now, you know, such as shooting, filming, um, and uh big, you know, big table design yeah. work, you know, and, and the space to leave things out and the space to uh you know, have works in progress, mm. I think. It's actually kind of like, it's really nice to see like your vision kind of come to life because like you were very clear about what you wanted and, you know, we were here to help paint and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, which yeah. is great. Uh, but yeah, so we've got like, um, you know, your work, your traditional work areas. We've got like a couple of desks and, you know, we can put your computers, computers and laptops and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. You've got your little shooting table, which yep. is behind me right now. So... Yeah, Can't sort of got um, sort of angle poised arms that hold phones and lights and stuff so that you can shoot vertically straight downwards onto a flat table because... My stuff, our stuff, is yeah. books. And so we want to be able to shoot books and books lie flat well on tables, yeah. unsurprisingly. And then uh, as you pan around the room, uh, sofa Quite a area. sofa area with got a your PlayStation, PlayStation 1. Which yeah. ironically hasn't had much use at all. No, it's been... I used it the other day, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was yeah. Like, I, was feeling, I was feeling it needed a recharge. But yes, it sat there... Yeah, like, like I thought, oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be really cool to have this like little like chill out zone, and it's like I've just been working <laughs> like solidly. <laughs> Too busy, yeah. Yeah, uh, you got I've your... got uh, yeah, I've got a wall which I have put wallpaper up that makes it look like a stone wall. Uh, again, for shooting, this is for shooting like me like talking to camera. Yes, so having yeah. a cool background that doing like your, colos- more, your colossal your colossal stuff. stuff uh, yeah. There's an overabundance of uh, sorgs. In the room, yes, good yeah. number of swords, yeah, uh, all foam, yes, you say, couldn't, couldn't cut yourself on any yeah. of these, yeah, basketball hoop, basketball hoop, which quite often when we're walking around concepting, we'll just be <laughs> sh- shooting hoops, yeah, um, <laughs> do not try and get uh, airtime on it, hang do, time, no, uh, that uh, John discovered the hard way that that could rip it out the wall, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was only doing it, like jokingly, it as was well. so gentle, I didn't put my whole weight on it, uh, the walls are made of. Uh, yeah who knows <laughs> you got you got a cool shelf of all like your some art products we've made but also like uh, inspiration and stuff yeah art books toys um, and gardens and games and yeah all sorts of stuff there which we can call upon when we need to big whiteboard huge whiteboard which was a major part of this gotta um, get a whiteboard yeah uh, chucking stuff up on there and then and then yeah sort of like a, a few shelves that contain all of the various card games card library for, uh, for inspiration and, and ideas as well. And then what, like the battle table? That's what I call yeah, it, the battle is, table in the middle, great. which is really, really big. Uh, can't stress enough how big it is. Never had a table this big in my life. Bigger than a dining room table, um, but made of like OSB, that sort of, that wood chip wood. Um, and yeah, it's got it's got a rough and ready feel. OSB? Yeah, I don't know what it stands for, but that's what this wood's called. Oh, I didn't know OSB, that. yeah. Oh. Someone cleverer than me will know what that stands for. Um, yeah, and uh, again, like talking about like, if it'd be me, I probably would have like just bought a table. Yes. But you had this idea, and I was like, oh, "This is like you know," and you, and you kind of made it reality. And like, uh... but we had to sort of we worked together on it a bit because although I had this idea, like the logistics of it were more complicated than we realised. You needed a boring man to come in and say, "Why yes. don't Why don't we bolt a bit of um, kitchen Which was a really good idea. to the underside?" Yeah, it, I mean, can't it see it, but it, was, it forms the spine of the table. So it's really nice. So like, uh, yeah, and. Uh, it's just a really nice environment to be in, yeah. It's and I call nice it the battle here. table because it's like you know, in like movies or I don't know historical 
actual truth i think there was those tables that you always see when they're when they're at war mm. and they have all the little models of like tanks and and villages and stuff and then they're pushing the tanks around to sort of plan the tactics for their moves and they i don't know whether those are called battle tables but i call them battle it's a bit tables. like a battle table yeah. and it's like it's where you do your big strategic planning and i'm like that's what we do on the table albeit without little tanks pushing around and but. if you had like a because we're talking about like lighting options and right now obviously we've got like uh, the big lights on but then and a window and you've got these kind of um like uh, like chains of like little light bulbs going across the ceiling yeah kind of cool yeah they, they have a kind of industrial light bulby vibe to them but in essence they're kind of fairy lights really but they look like bulbs and we talked for a while about having like a single spotlight over the table but it, yeah that we could pull down yeah which i don't know i'm still open to yeah yeah it's become less vital well we're getting but, through the darkest months now and this is like, true it's actually not been too bad no so it hasn't it's got no. to lighten up a bit yeah indeed yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is where this battle table has become so much more of like where the magic happens in a way. Yeah, yeah. Then because because you know we have the worktops and that's where I sit to do like admin and emails and stuff. But I love covering this table in notes and and like you know game pieces and dice and all sorts of stuff when we're planning things. So yeah, it, uh, and like the really kind of and this is what I mean about like our lives seeming so kind of different now. Yeah, is because like. Uh, Thinking back to the dynamic of, of like just hanging out in your house, working on stuff, and then wandering into the center of town and yeah. you know to get lunch and stuff, and then coming back and doing more work, I was like, that just feels again like a hundred years ago. Yeah, it's it really so does. Weird. Yeah, it's and, mad. And it's like, and I've spent since coming here, I've spent more time in Gloucester in the last kind of three months than I think I've done in the preceding 10, 20 years. Yeah, like, the really surreal thing, of course, for me personally, is that like I grew up yeah. in Gloucester. And uh, I've pulled you back. You have pulled me back. And it's really <laughs> bizarre to have you now, like this big part of my life now, in this place I was here going to as a kid, you know. Yeah, it's this weird like Ouroboros, like two points, like your later life and your younger life yeah. meeting. I know, I know. In Gloucester. Because yeah. like, we're, we're right next to uh, uh, like a, a pub, this kind of hit, I was going to say famous, but like, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> Gloucester gro- famous. Gloucester famous. Like this grotty ass pub where I like learnt to drink, you know, like <laughs> they, they didn't check anyone's ID, you know, the beer was like. The dream pub. Yeah, like one pound yeah. 20 for a pint back then, you Good know. Lord. So like. <laughs> what a time to be I alive. I know, what a time to be alive, you know, 10 quid would go a long way. And then it's like now we're kind of like next door and upstairs. And I'm like, it's so weird to be here again. It's yeah. so weird. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, but yeah. Gloucester's massively going through a big like clearly some money's being spent and they're trying to make it because it's always been the sort of forgotten sister of Cheltenham in a way although it started out bigger it's I guess. really bizarre yeah because yeah. Cheltenham isn't even a city it's technically a town yeah which is bizarre but Gloucester's technically a city yeah and, and, it's and, got a and the seat of the county like it's yeah. the famous Gloucestershire, one. yeah of course but yeah but it's always been like the the sort of the forgotten grotten, grotty sister of Cheltenham yeah. which is which is bizarre but now it really seems like with Jolt and other things as well like they're trying to trying to Lift it up a bit, which yeah, is cool. And that's actually been like a, a really surprising benefit of coming here is meeting all the cool people here who are like actively committed to making Gloucester better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, you know, getting grants, getting money, kind of pouring it into this area that like you know, Cheltenham Cheltenham's a weird place. And Cheltenham's like like house prices are insanely expensive. Yeah. Um it's seen as quite on an the aff- surface appears affluent, yeah. It's quite an affluent town. I and mean, then it does have this kind of like really weird like crime element to Underbelly. it. Underbelly. Yeah, yeah. But it's always like this weird kind of upper class crime. <laughs> Because we've got like a ton of private schools in Cheltenham. We've got like mm. a big drug trade. And it's like, mm, I wonder if those two things overlap. Ooh, who'd have thought? And then you come over to Gloucester and it's like, yeah, Gloucester's like deprived in the more traditional ways. Where yeah. it's just like, it just hasn't had a lot of care or attention put into it over the years. Yeah, that's so true. And now people are actively like trying to 
help the place, which is yeah. really cool, actually. And it's cool being kind of a little part of it as well. You yeah. Know, by being here, being part of this creative growth in Gloucester. Like, I don't know, I feel like, although I'm here to do my thing and my creative stuff and we work together here mm. as well, like, I feel like, you know, I, you know I'm doing a little bit... No, to, I think, towards it as I well. think you are. This is a really weird thing. It's like, you know, it's learning to, uh, maybe this is a good segue, it's learning to value art. Yeah. Because if you ever want like a kind of ego boost, talking to the staff here. Oh, yeah. Who are going like, no, 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 no. We're here to uplift the artistic culture of the town. You are part of that. You are the artistic yeah. culture of the town. You're an yeah. artist in this town making shit. So congrats. Like, yeah. this is, you're uplifting it. Yeah, exactly. Which you I, don't really think about. Yeah. No. Yo, that's so true. And like, j- just being here, just being an artist and, and being, it's, it's funny to say proud, but, 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 but proud enough to say, I'm from Gloucester. And, yeah. And the stuff I make, or Cheltenham, and the stuff I make comes from here. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and we're Gloucester-based. You know, that means something. That counts for something. Yeah, you know, Because yeah, then people know, oh, well, you know, if, if people like a thing we make, well, that came from Gloucester, you know, and that's that's worth shouting about, as it is where anything comes from. No, you know? agreed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't know, we don't really have a format for this, but it's just... No. But we sat down and we thought, well, partly we haven't done this podcast in a little while. Mm. And then partly there's a hot topic. Yes. Which we found ourselves talking a lot about. So if you can picture the scene, it's like, we'll come in, we're ostensibly here to do work. We'll sit down (laughs) around the battle table and we'll just start talking. Because we talk. We talk all the time. We do. All kinds of shit. Yeah. And we normally, even though we're talking private, maybe about like the hot topics affecting the arts, comics, games. We'll, we'll have a lot of private discussions about it. We tend, oh, yeah. to, we tend to not really kind of talk about it publicly. No. But this one does feel like it's worth chatting about. Because, it does. Yeah. Partly because it's very, very now. Like, it's very, like... It's very relevant to, mm. to what, mm. what's going on. And also, I think, because it directly affects us. Yes. And I think that the only way that any... Any decisions or ideas about this thing going forward, they are going to be formed out of... It's not, it's not objective, right? Mm. It's entirely subjective. So the entire way that this is going to be understood, litigated, made legal, whatever, is, is going to be from people's opinions. Yes. And people talking about it. That's the only way that, that yeah. anything is going to be changed or done about it. And so therefore, the best and most we can possibly hope to do is to talk about it. Yeah. And be part of that conversation. And of course, the subject is AI art. Yes. Yeah. And by that, we mean... Art generated by a non-human computer program. Yes, uh, and I, I think it's it's worth saying. Isn't this isn't like a, you know, this isn't like a content warning or anything like that. I'm just I just want to make it clear that like it's very hard to talk about this without talking about realms of say things that border on pornography. Indeed, because it's, it's almost impossible to talk about it because again, supply and demand. Yeah, is, is that's what, what it's being used to make what, a lot of. What a weird, like uh, <laughs> you know, it's like the the early pioneers, these brave pioneers. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that um, yeah, they hit on a, a a very desirable industry right out of the gate. Hit on is the word. As yeah, well, I think yeah, 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 and, and we'll probably we'll we'll discuss that. I think because that is a major part of this thing mm-hmm. um, is is the things it's being used to make and predominantly is being used to make porn adjacent or just straight up pornography. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which is you know it's not an issue in itself, but we will probably talk about what that sort of means for everything. Well, no, that's the thing. It's like it, it, it's interesting that it's worth commenting on because while, as you say, like the pornography is not the issue because you know people make. Uh, uh, Softcore, hardcore artwork all the time. Make, yeah. Make, make a good living off it. You know? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, they're fulfilling a need, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting that 
the it's interesting that people are jumping on this with AI because yeah. they're fulfilling a need, but suddenly the effort required to produce this kind of stuff has massively kind of uh, gone down because yeah. a computer can do the heavy lifting now. Exactly. Where do we start though? Like, where did this kind of like? Well, I think I think a good place to start is probably describing for anyone who's listening and maybe doesn't know the, the ins and outs of this. Why why do artists care? What what is the issue that some artists th- think they're facing and so, and some artists don't mm. think are, are an issue? So the predominant real issue here is that the way an AI generates art is it has to be trained. Yes. Right. And the way you train, and I put train in inverted commas because it's not a human. This is a computer program. It's not sentient. We're calling it artificial intelligence. And it is approaching a problem, creating art, with a level of intelligence. Yeah. But it's not It's not like, hello, uh, what would you like to create today? I am your sentient servant, you know, Norman, and I'm going to yeah. make some art for you. That's not how it works. No. It's, it's completely a, a, just a very clever computer program. Sure. And you train it by showing it a load of art. Right, yes. and you show it so much art, and you accompany that art with keywords. So you show it a, a, a piece of art of a, of a beautiful woman, and underneath you you tell the program that's a beautiful woman. Yes, and you do that a billion times, and it starts to understand what a beautiful yeah. woman is. But that's all, uh, and all this is done by the team developing it. Exactly. So 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 uh, this is like two years before it even reaches the market. Exactly. So, so yeah. So what lands on your doors? And, and the reason this has suddenly become such a hot topic is that you get a lot of these kind of like. Oh, this is being worked on by like a little team. Uh, yeah, it's like a proof of concept, you know. Yeah, we wanted to sh- we wanted to show that we could do it. And suddenly now, because again, like everything, uh, we're seeing this exponential growth. Where even a month ago, this seemed a bit more kind of pie in the sky. Yeah. But now, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but like a bunch of separate companies have launched onto the internet, effectively free to use. Yeah. Ready out the box. AI art software. Yeah, and, and like you say, there's a lot of them. There's yeah. probably like, there's at least 10 major players. Yes, because there's Midjourney. Midjourney is a famous one. Stable Diffusion is another. Yes, uh, Stable Diffusion. Uh, you uh, were showing me an app called... There's a phone, a mobile app called Starry AI. Starry AI. Yep, there's Crayon, but Crayon spelt with AI in, in the middle oh, of the that's word. quite clever, that's quite actually. Clever, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, going hand in hand with this, you have some of the, like, uh, text... Based uh, AI generators, the leader of which is ChatGPT. Yes, which people, uh, some people have made wild claims about saying like, uh, "Oh, it's uh, bordering on sentience and that sort of thing." And, yeah, you uh, can have a conversation with ChatGPT, yes. GPT, and it will it'll refer back. So typically, when we had like chatbots, as they were yeah. referred to, you would say something like, "Hello, my name's Nick," and it would go, "Hello, Nick," and then later on in the conversation, you go, "What's my name?" and it would go, "I don't know. You haven't told me because it couldn't retain information. Yes, it yeah. wouldn't like like a human can." But now ChatGPT will go, "Your name's Nick. You told me earlier." Yeah, and and it will say it'll almost have a personality when you're talking to it. It's wild. It's insane. I've seen transcripts from conversations with it, and it's it's it, you you could be fooled into thinking you're talking to someone to a point. Yes, but worse than that, mm. it can it can generate anything text related. So you could go write code, write C plus plus code for me to animate a bouncing ball yeah. in, in Blender, mm. and it will just like instantly just bam this this block of code will appear and and coders have put this code into and there's errors but it will do it'll do exactly what it said and i'd wonder and this is kind of a tangent but i'd wondered as a almost like a thought experiment could you tell chat gbt gpt please write me the code for an iteration of chat gpt which is 1.1% more efficient <laughs> so get it to replace itself yeah and then run that code into that one 
oh my god what and so it would iteratively instantly infinitely well, this is what I, well, reproduce now itself. again this is more kind of like sci-fi pie in the sky thinking but could you tell an AI to develop a version of itself which is slightly more efficient the problem might be mm. the training when we go back to the training mm. again if the code for chat GPT is not publicly available or has it hasn't been trained on it then it may not know how to do that. Mm. That said, it can write code creatively. Mm. So it knows how to code. You could ask it, code me an AI. Yeah. In theory, it could probably do that creatively I, I, rather I guess, than yeah. from reference. And this is the funny thing, isn't it? Because it's like, uh, you know, you're not, whenever you start talking about AI, you're not far from someone talking about like it gaining sentience or it gaining, you know, yeah. and, and we're not there yet. This no, is not, and that's not really what we're talking about today or what we're worried about yeah. necessarily. Well, let's do uh, to do okay then to do the Chat GPT uh, say mid journey comparison. Let's look at the two. Yeah. Like if you told me that like uh, oh um, scientists, developers, coders, they've really uh, they've developed this incredibly powerful tool. Uh, it's text based and it can write code. Yes. And I'd be like, you know what? There's a part of my brain that goes, that seems like a very 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 sensible application yeah. of an AI. Yeah. It's doing the heavy lifting to pick up kind of why computers were invented in the first place. A tool. A computer used to be a human who would just do boring calculations day in, day out. You know, yeah. if you free up the boring crap, then humans can do the kind of high-end conceptual stuff. Yeah, yeah. But this is, so, okay, I guess I need to get my thoughts in order. So, like, a bunch of coders, a bunch of tech people yeah. thought, let's build a tool to help us do tech stuff. Yes, agreed. But then, of course, and I find this is interesting about where the energy and the money is being put, mm. we've now had this explosion of, art-based AIs. Yeah. Now, you've got to ask yourself, why is there such a focus being put on developing art by AIs? Yeah. Is it because, on some higher philosophical level, kind of like a Turing test kind of thing, you could go, oh, you, you built an AI that can write code. Well, fuck my ass, that's not impressive. But if you have an AI that can build art yes then my god it has a soul like this is this the highest oh print? interesting you know what i mean is this the highest principle it's like if you can make a robot paint a watercolor that that moves you yeah then <laughs> so is this the goal are they on a higher artistic principle going can we make an ai that makes beautiful art or do they hate artists because <laughs> like um i i think that i i don't I don't know is the answer, but these, like you said earlier, these things were made by tech companies almost trying to prove that they could make them rather yes. than really thinking necessarily at this early stage about whether there's any utility, yeah. right? But there's a lot of imagery out there. There's potentially more imagery on the internet than there is text. I don't know whether that's true, but it, 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 there's a lot of imagery out yeah. there, right? Um, if you could make something that could make pictures, it would be very easy to train it. Yes. Um, because there's so many pictures out there. Literally, mm. the internet is just full of pictures. So if you let an AI loose on the internet and it basically used the entire internet as a training ground, which I don't think they can do, but let's just say it could do that, then then an obvious the obvious two things for it to make are text things mm. and picture things. That's, mm. that's really all there is. And I think they thought at first, huh, wouldn't it be, wouldn't a, a really impressive visual export be a picture? Because if you could say a, a, a piece of software has made a picture, that's a very impressive thing to immediately be able to go look at and go, wow, 
It, yeah, because it has because a lay person isn't going to look at like a wall of code and go and, and understand that's why that code exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, and even writing, right? Not to diminish your entire. Oh no, field. please do. No, no, please. No, I think but it's important. Yeah. Chat GPT could write content, and yeah. I've seen it do it. You can even ask it to add a tone to it. You can say yeah. like, write a cheery product uh, paragraph marketing uh, blurb yeah. for this toothpaste brand and it will just go bam and it's just a paragraph mm. there and it's done a really good job of copywriting you tweak a few grammar grammar errors good to go yeah. right um, but a lay person might look at that paragraph and sort of go I don't know what makes sort of good writing mm. better than bad writing because kind of everyone can make writing yes, everyone no, can write no I agree I've been saying this for years they yeah. can and, yeah. and it's interesting that we've started out in the realm of comics mm. because what greater battleground is there between <laughs> art and and works yeah like i'd so like true. i'd like yeah. to say that the two disciplines are not at war because they, they really should be complementing each other yeah but you have to admit there is this eternal struggle between the two like yeah. comics are an inherently visual medium yeah and you know when you're getting to know people in the comics field it's really like are you a writer are you an artist? Are you one of these rare breeds who can do both? Yeah, you know? indeed. Yeah. And if you're a writer, particularly when you're starting out, it's like there's this desperation to find artists. Yes. And also, maybe if you're just starting out, a recognition that like artists cost money. Oh, yeah. And this is now a barrier to you getting to your creative goals. And I think this is where we're starting to end up. Yeah, now. you have this tension now where I think maybe it's not based on individuals, but maybe culturally on a subconscious level, people with a... I'm going to be charitable here and say a vision, resent artists. Because they're the ones who can realise it. They have the talent. Yeah. Because we like visual things as humans. We really do. And I, yeah. I, I, I think that actually, we like visual things as humans as a phrase. That might be the sum total of the answer is why come after art? Yeah. Right. Because because art because so often what what these um what these AI bots are making mm. isn't actually art, but it's like it's made a photo. It looks like a photo. It looks like yes. a photo real yes. image. Uh, but it's a photo that no one ever took of nothing that ever existed. But it looks photo real because it's been trained on photos, so it can just yeah. make photos of things that aren't real. Mm. Um, you know, in two three years time, it'll be so good that I'll be able to say make a photo of a car with human legs. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, with me at the wheel, you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> New fetish unlocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, I could probably put that into some AIs now, but it would look a bit janky. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to be able to have a photo, photo reel with no jank at all version of that image. And it will look as though someone took a photo yeah. of this impossible scene. Because, of course, we're not far away from that. No, really now. We're not. And, and maybe if you had a modicum of Photoshop skills, you'd get like a slightly janky image and you could tidy it up a bit. Yeah. You know, to yes, get exactly indeed. what you want it to be. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is that, yeah, we're in, we inherently want visual things. Yeah. And there are a handful of people in the world, it is a minority of people in the world, with the talent or the style that we, and we'll talk about style in a minute, but that, that we want to be able to visually realize our vision. Because everyone, like everyone says, don't they? Everyone's got a book in them. Everyone's got, everyone's got a story or a vision, yeah. a thing they want to yeah. make. But not everyone has the visual uh, um illustrative talent yes, yeah, yeah, to quite. bring that thing yes, visually to life. Yeah. And like you say, comics are all about, like, it's a visual medium that's that's sort of steered and governed by non-visual people in a funny sort of way. Because although there's a lot of visual people involved in comics, so often uh, the starting point of a comic will be a writer who is, in a way, frustrated by the yes. fact that they can't make their thing visual. No, 100%. But they have no. this incredible vision and idea of, of how it could look. And now they have this... It is a frustration, a frustrating battle to bring that thing to life. And I think that's why we're talking about AI today, because we 
by being so integrated into comics and you being a writer and me being an artist, we can see this tension, this war yeah. between writing and art. Writing being putting a prompt into a thing. Yeah. Art being the, the thing you get out of it. Yeah. We can see that. So there's... Uh, I, I think I remember somebody... I hearing somebody say that like when this... Because we talked about the genie being out the bottle. Yeah. Like the fact is these companies have released these pieces of software effectively for free. There's a couple you have to pay for. Yeah, or you subscribe to get premium content for. Or or maybe there's a couple which are like, here's like a free trial online. It's a bit basic. If you want the full package, you have to apply to be in the beta testing group. Yes, exactly. Because right now, they want a massive... They want a massive user group. Yeah. They want bodies using this stuff. That's why it's such a free-for-all right Because it gets better the more it's used. It gets better the more it's used. They yeah. want, and they want eyes on it. They want press. They want these weird little stories. It, it, they're kind of being... I don't want to say they're being... It's not evil. No. Uh, but they know what they're doing. It's when very you, cynical. You hand, effectively, a room of children... You're handing them loaded guns. You're <laughs> yeah. saying go wild because they want these slightly controversial news stories. They do. They want somebody to win an art prize because they submitted an AI-generated piece of artwork. They want some hack to publish a children's book that was written and illustrated by AI. These are all real examples that have happened. I know. You know and I know. Because they want eyes on it. Yeah. They want eyes on it. So at the same time, if you're sitting on this tech... It's very hard to hold this stuff back. Yes. There's a certain inevitability to it. Like, yeah. this is, if you don't do this, it will happen. So, And a lot of the argument is don't get in the way of change. Yes. Right? We've had huge revelatory technological advances over the years. Yeah. And every time they've, they've occurred, and I can't call an example to mind, but people have said, this is, like automation is a really good example, yeah. right? People used to do manual labor and machines came along. People like, people are going to lose jobs. Yeah. The fact of the reality is people did lose jobs. We recovered over decades by discovering how a, a work economy works alongside machines. Yeah. And now there is a big, you know, um, uh, people out of work problem in the world still. And part of that might be due to automation, but we have kind of stabilized that a little bit over time. So people are always like, don't get in the way of technological advancement. This is just the latest technological advancement. It's a tool. No one's coming for your job, mate. That's the the thing we're told to suck up. Yes. And I, if you'd asked me like a few weeks ago, I, I honestly felt that I wasn't too worried. Yes. Because I felt if you're trying to stand out in a crowd right now, it is already hard. Yeah. Like there are 10 million writers like out there. There are a billion artists. There are a billion stories. Like standing out has always been the challenge. Yes. So I wasn't too worried because I was like, you know, so what if now everyone's using AI? Yeah. A good story will, will still, still be a good story. Like, and, I, and I'd like to say that regardless of anything that happens in the coming decades, yeah. I think that's still true. Now, the thing that does i'm not sure if worry is the right word because it's going to happen and there'll be a certain inevitability to it the thing that frustrates me deeply and this goes back to somebody saying it's not the artists who are going to be the problem it's going to be the bad actor non-artists moving into this space yes and this is what we've talked extensively about because now what we're seeing is the crypto bros, yeah. the NFT guys, the people who are always chasing this web 3.0 way to get rich quick scheme. They don't give a shit about genuine creative worth or making no. a really awesome art story product. They don't care about that. No. They care about making money, having a side hustle. Yes. Right. So there is a 
a substantial group of people who I would imagine fit into this this category who have never picked up a pencil in their life, have never had an artistic thought in their life. And don't value it either. Don't value... Oh, God, God no, no. No, it's a commodity. Yeah. And, but have gone... So you're telling me that there are artists who right now... Let's just come back to the, the pornography thing. Who draw semi-erotic images and then earn money in return on their Patreon via subscriptions, via paid DeviantArt accounts. To Just, clarify, the reason we're bringing up pornography specifically is yeah. because it is one of the most successful ways yes. to turn art into money. Astonishingly lucrative. W- without yeah. question. Yeah. Because other ways of, of, of turning art into money is having to be incredibly creative and do something unusual and weird, storytelling-wise, art-wise, that blows, breaks the mold and blows the mind. But everyone always wants porn. And yes. if you can draw porn like reasonably realistically and draw situations that are erotic and exciting for people, you will, regardless of how creative you are, you will probably always make money off yes. that as long as the yeah. art is good. So suddenly, this is wild to me, there's been an explosion of uh, people, accounts which are only like a month old, two months old, yes. who have already a massive following on Instagram, Patreon, DeviantArt, uh, because once a day they generate a sexy image. Yes. And the thing I find absolutely wild that I can't wrap my head around is that they are doing this with a commercially available piece of software. Yes. That they have not ripped the hood off. Nope. And they are not... It can just do this. They are not doing... Out the gate. ...original coding. Nope. They are... So they, don't, they don't have to know technically anything So where? All. And I'm like... So they just write a prompt. So I'm like, where is the skill then? Yes. Because they call themselves an AI artist. They would, sadly. Yes. But and that's a worrying term which I think needs to be yeah. talked about. But they're prompting. They're writing prompts to a machine that comes out the box. So what I've seen uh, in some cases of people generating like incredible artwork is that, in, in AI, is, uh, is there'll be comments underneath it and someone will go, oh, tell me what the prompts are for this. Yes. And so what, what they're saying is, that comment, that commenter is essentially saying is, Yes, I have the access to the same software you have, but I can't get it to make the cool things you're making. Yeah. So tell me what your secret is. And the secret extends only to an objective finish point, which is the prompts they put in. Mm. If you put the same prompts in, you won't get the exact same image. Because it's different every time. Yeah, yeah, because it's different every time. But you'll probably get very close. And the reason that their prompts, maybe this artist's prompts, are better than the commenter's success he's had so far with the machine is probably because that original artist and i hate using that word because they haven't done any yeah. art has used the prompts in a potentially a more creative way now for example a good example of this is i came up with colossal right and colossal is an uh, is, a, is an rpg which is set in a weird world the world is weird because i came up with a setting that was unusual that no yeah. one had seen before yes but before i illustrated any of colossal i had that setting in my head which means creatively i had a leg up say over someone else because I'd come up with an idea that maybe no one else had come up with at that point. If I had turned to AI instead of illustrated it myself, I could have put that unique concept that I'd put into prompts and made a piece of artwork, the likes of which no one had ever seen before. Mm. And that would have been, to some extent, due to my creativity over another man's creativity because I was able to think of something or conceive of something more interesting. So on one level, there is an element of creativity to writing a prompt, a yes. good prompt to create a good image. Yeah. And that's what's so fascinating to me is that even though this is super democratized, you get people going, tell me your prompts, because they can't think of this stuff for themselves. Yeah. Which is kind of hilarious to me. And, 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 and the problem is, it's like every time you bring up 
I don't mean you personally, I mean, but every time we discuss this and we bring up a real-life case, yeah. a voice in the back of my head goes, I can think of a counter-argument. Yeah. I can yeah. think of the reason of why, no, 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 your position is invalid, this is creative. Because, I'm thinking about myself, 10, 12 years ago, very first comics I ever commissioned... I had an idea for how I wanted these characters to look. Yeah. I did a crude drawing. Yes. You know, kind of made it look as good as I, with my skills, could make it. And then I paid an artist and I said, please draw this in your style and make it look good. Yes. So I'm sure the tech bro would turn around and say... That's the same. How is this any different? Yes, agreed. And I'll tell you how it's different, John. Please, <laughs> yeah. Um, you paid a human being... Uh, to do that using their skills that they'd spent their entire life developing and they could therefore pay their mortgage and put food on the table. Mm. And it could be said that that artist is bringing a degree of style. Yes. Their human uh, subjective interpretation about what makes a good picture, they're bringing that to it. Because yeah. I mean, there's so many avenues you could go down here. Another kind of weird thing about the AI thing is that it's almost regressing to a mean. Yes. We're, we're getting... Um, We've talked about this, haven't we? Yeah. So, so one uh, kind of tech bro, AI, soft, soft core, sexy lady artist yeah. is almost indistinguishable from another. Because they have to try and get a realistic quality because they're going to be more successful. Because they're they using do. the same artwork. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. sorry, they're using the same base, the same Training software. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so if one person goes, draw me a... Uh, and it's always like it's always like a mid-shot. It's always like a thigh-to-head kind of, yeah. Yes, and there are technical reasons, yeah. I think, why. It so, struggles with knees. Yeah, so if one person says, <laughs> draw, draw me a hyper-real uh, blonde woman with a sexy body. Yeah. And two people put that prompt in. They'll be different. They will be. But they will look vaguely similar. They will look as though, and I'm going to say this very, very uh, inverted commas but it'll look like they're drawn from the same hand. Yes. 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 Even though they were drawn by no hand. And is this because if you ran every conceivable piece of artwork labelled girl through a AI, it looks at 10 million pictures. Like, is this just... It literally, if you took the average of everything... You will just end up with this one generically, conventionally attractive face. Yes. That now becomes the gold standard for just what beauty is. Yes. Yeah. But also, I think, I think what's interesting about you bringing this up is that it pushes us into the territory of the most recent thing we discussed, which is style. Yeah. How do you copyright, patent, control your visual style? Okay, this is good. We should talk about this. This yes. is big. Yeah. Because you mentioned the point that. Uh, these these AIs that are creating sexy ladies, for example, are trained on a pool of of mm. artists, right? And we we know for a fact actually what this pool is because there is a website on the internet called ArtStation, mm. and ArtStation hosts many accounts by some of the most famous digital artists in the world. Real superstars. Real, real, superstars. real superstars. They are earning yeah. they are earning big money because they draw incredibly or paint incredibly well, digital paint incredibly well. Two of these names are Art Germ, as he's known, but he's Stanley Lau. Okay. And Ilya Kuvshinov, who are two superstar digital artists. And both of them are... I mentioned both of these because they do pinups of girls. Yeah. Right. That's, their, that's kind of their whole thing. They will draw incredible, anatomically you know, accurate, beautifully painted women. And this is where we get this kind of like this hyper-real concept. Yes. Where it doesn't look like a... I'm using very basic language here. It doesn't look like an anime girl. Like, no. it doesn't look quite like a photo. No, but you can tell it's not real, but at the same time, it's real enough for, for it to be uh, visually very stimulating, exciting, titillating. Yeah. The words what you want to use. But they don't make porn, these two. I, I, don't, I don't want to tar them with that brush. No. They just make very... No, I need a better word for this. It's sometimes, because it isn't pornography. It's almost like a kind of... Pin-ups, as- I guess. Pin-up-y, as- yeah. aesthetically, yes. just uh, attractive people, you know. But the, the important point is, Stanley Lau and Ilya Kuvshinov both digitally paint 
pinup ladies. Yes. But their styles are very different from one another. Mm. Right. So I, I could tell you, uh, if you gave me two paintings, one by each, but I didn't know who was who, I could tell you which was the earlier one and which was the Stanley one. I could do that. Yeah. Right. Because I know those two artists. Yes. Um, and, and, and once I told you, any layperson, what Stanley style was like and Ilya style was like, you could do it too. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now, there are what I consider to be the worst AIs out there. This is egregious. I this, did... is, this is without, <laughs> no matter where you stand on the argument of whether or not it's a tool and it's not, getting, it's not coming for artists, this, I think, is objectively illegal and, and immoral, right? There are AI softwares out there where you can click on a drop-down menu and it says, which artist's style would you like this export to be in? And yeah. Ilya's name will be there, and Stanley Lau's name will be there. And there'll be a whole ream, maybe 10, maybe 20, of named, specifically named, superstar digital artists out there. And when you click Stanley Lau, the exported AI image will be generated in his style. And it is hard to process this information without anything but fury. Indeed. I'm disgusted by this. There is yeah. no other way to look at this fact. And I'm, so, I'm going to be objective now. And I don't, I don't, give, a, <laughs> kind yeah. of don't give a shit because I'm angry about it. There is no other way to look at this than they are coming after Stanley Lau specifically by adding that in. And that's my perspective on that. And I, yeah, and this is where I think you're, and, and I think with this particular example, because uh, this is the, this is the Sparkle, what are they, I don't actually know the name of the AI tool that does this. Sure, okay. But I think it's a few. It's a few, okay. I've seen so, screenshots of it. I know it for a fact that it exists. I think, I don't know how they would justify this, but I would I, love to hear I, that. I think this is this weird, like, 4chan kind of just anarchic thinking yes. where they're like the internet is the wild west we're not coming for Ilya Kushinov we're not coming for art germ we wish them no ill will but everything on the internet is fair game yes. and we're going to do this until we're stopped that's the idea because until there is a legal ruling exactly this is the wild west until somebody fights this in court this is not going to stop no and I I because uh, you showed me this app and I, I it'd be bad enough to just go Hey, draw me a, draw me uh, art in the style of Ilya Kushinov. Yeah, and everyone goes, "My God, it's amazing!" Ten thousand likes. Yeah, doubly grotesque is that that person with that account on the app now becomes a star. Yeah, on the app and has a following because they're good at typing in "copy this artist." Yes, and of course, the, of course, the art's blowing up on yeah. there because Ilya Kushinov's artwork is lovely. Yes, because so it's, of course yeah. it's blowing up because it's blowing up there as well because it's basically like he drew it but he didn't. And the thing that's, you know, we we've been and I don't know, I'm not a legal expert here, and we've talked about this, but like copyright, copyright infringement, IP infringement trials are all based on you have stolen my character or art specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My intellectual property, something I made. So you have copied uh, a character I yeah. created. Or maybe you have directly forged a picture I drew. Yes. So like, uh, you know, if... Uh, Something that pre-existed, you made another copy of. Yeah, so if somebody... Uh, I'm trying to think of a living artist, like David Hockney. Yeah. Like if somebody uh, made an imitation of David Hockney and tried to sell it at an at a auction as a fraud, yep. you know, that's a crime. Yes. And we know that. We can objectively see why that yes. is a crime. Now, my question is, has there been any precedent for somebody suing a forger, a scammer... Uh, a, a copyright infringer for stealing someone's style. Yes. Creating a new body of work. But clearly aping, imitating, and, and profiting off of yeah. the market penetration of the style of yeah. that artist. Because copyright and trademark and all that kind of crap is so weird. They've always said that you can't copyright an idea. No. But you can copyright a thing yes. that you've made yeah. using that idea. 
I think the answer to your question, is there a legal precedent for this? As far as I'm aware of, but I don't know all legal precedents, as far as I'm aware of, no. Because I have no idea how you could um, uh, litigate a situation that is basically subjective, entirely subjective, right? Because the the defendant could say, well, yeah, sure, my work is reminiscent of David Hockney. Yeah, David Hockney doesn't really have a style, but let's say Art Germ, yeah. right? Yeah, sure, my work's reminiscent of Art Germ, but I also read loads of comics and I, and I watch loads of movies and I take inspiration from everywhere. And, you know, <laughs> Your Honour, I basically could have ended up here by accident. Mm. And that's very, very hard to dispute. This is, this is where it gets so tricky. The difference is, though... And this is, and I am gonna, I am gonna come into the, the gray area in a minute. But when it comes to clicking on Art Germ's name from a drop down, yeah, menu, now that's clear cut. There's a data trail, yeah, right. So if Art Germ took one of these pieces to court, the, one of the creators of one of these pieces, or or indeed the software as a whole, which I think he could do, by the way, yeah, took them to court, they go, well, you know, it's a subjective thing, isn't it, Art? Ooh, you, you can't be sure you modelled it on me. Art Germ could go, no. Because you clicked art germ, you clicked the art germ button. Yeah. So you did model it on me. That that's a fact. Yes. That's an objective fact. But now, you, yeah. The issue, the issue, the grey area I want to get into is what if you trained an AI on twenty superstar digital artists, art germ and and Ilya included, right? Yeah. And what was outputted was something that was reminiscent of art germ's style, but now was made from a conglomeration. Well, this is the weird thing, because I've heard certain artists, I think, uh, I don't know how you pronounce their name, Loish? Loish. Loish, yeah. Yeah, or Loish. I can't, I can't, yeah. But I think somebody like... She's another superstar digital artist, yeah. It might have been her. I think she pointed out that, like, she's shown, she held up some examples of AI art and said, while this is not a copy of me... Look at the hair. Yes, and going, she has a very distinctive way of drawing. Going hair. like that is how I draw hair yeah. to the point where I think if you sh- if you did blind testing, not blind testing, but you know what I mean. Like I think if you showed it to uh, lay people, they would go, "Oh, they're drawn by the same people." Yeah. So the AI is plucking an element of her art. Loish was in that list. Ah, uh, yeah. that I saw in yeah. the screenshot. There we go. Yeah. Um, because she's she's the same level yeah. as Art German and Nelia. So, but, but this is the weird thing. It's like you know, uh, uh, using comics as an example. You know, this is and this is the. Where you go, there's always a bloody counter argument. And this is why this is so difficult because, like, look at Frank Quitely. Yep. Frank Quitely has a very, very, very distinct style. Incredible style. To the point where I can pick his art out of a lineup anywhere. Sometimes I can look at, like, the way he draws a line and go, like, that's a very Frank Quitely line. That's a very Quitely line. (laughs) But if you, as an artist, uh, an aspiring artist, had grown up loving and admiring Frank Quitely and, like, not copying, but drawing great inspiration from his work to the point where people would as you started to make a name for yourself say oh his work is quietly esque yes an example would be Chris Burnham oh right uh, who uh, did a lot of work on uh, Batman with Grant Morrison Grant Morrison famously having worked with Frank Quitely on Batman a lot uh, and while Chris Burnham God I want to make it very clear I'm not accusing Chris Burnham of anything because he is an astonishingly talented artist but a lot of people have said his art is reminiscent of Quitely's. Interesting. I'm not saying he's copied it. He just has a very similar style, very detailed. He's great. He's a, yeah. he's a hell of a talent. But this happens. Like, you get superstar artists. Yeah. Uh, Hewlett's a good example. Jamie Hewlett, yeah. who designed Tank Girl and the Gorillas. Um, and they become uh, cultural, artistic touchstones. And you get the term Hewlett-esque 
or quietly esque. Yes. And, and 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 what happens is you get this sort of pyramid where they're at the top, and then there's this sort of like sector underneath them where a lot of artists they don't copy him, certainly not. No. And and even then, that you can tell that Hewlett hasn't drawn it, but you would say, oh, that's that's Hewlett esque because maybe the way they did a grin, or the way they did some eyes, or the way the character's a bit hunched in the shoulders, or something like that. Yeah. You would go, oh, that's got a Hewlett quality to it. And maybe he wasn't the originator of those things, but he popularized them and made yes. them famous. Yeah. And so as a result, he becomes a sort of he becomes a way in which we contextualise and describe other art. Yes. Because it's a useful shorthand to say it's Hewlett-esque. Yes, no, that's a very good, no, that's a very good point of... That's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Get it, yeah. But I would still say that most of those artists are still having to do all the fucking hard mm. work. You know, because they had to translate... Hewlett is, is, is a master of uh, body language and dynamic anatomy. He's really good at those things. Yeah. So if you want to ape or imitate a bit of Hewlett, get a bit of Hewlett energy into it, you've got to be really good. You're going to have to be top of your game in and order a, to do so. And, and, in, and in each case, it is a human making these choices. Indeed. And I think, as I, despite what people might like to claim, the AI is not making choices. No. No, it has a series of checkboxes. Which so, are being pushed into it by other people. Yeah. So to, to some extent, there is something in its back end, and I'm grossly simplifying it, but when it generates a piece of art, it will have a piece, something in there that will say 36% accuracy to an Ilya Kushinov picture. <laughs> yeah. Like, it will yeah. have a... 48% accuracy to a, a lowish picture. Yes. You know what I mean? Like It, is, it, it will has parameters. Yes. So it, it, in its mind, it is black and white yeah. that it is copying. It is referencing. So one, one way to look at this is, is consent the issue, right? Yeah. So that there's this pool of artists that it's been trained on. Have those artists given consent to their art to be used in this way? Mm. Now, that could be how you litigate this. Yes. Because if... If the law comes down, and I'm really hoping the law comes down very soon on this, because we need to... We need I, some I, rulings. I, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying we need to smash this thing to bits, but I am saying that we need to control the fun, right? Because uh, like you said, it's a load of kids with loaded guns. Yeah. Um, if the ruling comes down that, you know, you have to consent to your art to be included yes. into this system, we'll enter into the realms of royalty-free stuff, right? Loads of people make content that's royalty-free. They make music, they make art, they make photography. They're happy for that stuff to be used, and sometimes it's free, royalty-free, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So it's like they're happy to make loads of content that will just be used by people. It's like, it's like deliberately yeah. made to be thrown around and messed about with by other people. But once again, and this is... They're making itemized things with they distinct are. boundaries so if someone makes a, a, a three minute sci-fi backing track that is free for somebody to use <laughs> in their video that is a product it's a product even if it's free but yes. now if someone could then feed their entire oeuvre into an ai and now it would endlessly generate tracks in that person's style that person is now irrelevant i don't know if that person would feel the same way about it this is the thing is yeah it? But either way, I do feel like consent is a major part of this yeah. because part of the art station problem is, and art station's getting really blasted for this because art station was what this this website that was used as a training platform for a lot. Oh, of Oh, did they consent to it? Well, art station consented to a, so an AI uh, bro or whatever yes. came to them and were like, "Can we use your website and, as a training?" Pool? And somebody at the platform was like, "Yes." Yes. And in the terms and conditions of every artist who ever created an art station account, there is a, a clause that says we can use your art to some extent, however we want. And ArtStation saw this as an example of that. We can use your art, Loish, art germ, 
Ilya, we can use your art however we want. And the way we decided to use it this time is to hand it over to this, this AI company. And this is the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Indeed. Because the letter of the law says you signed those rights away. Yes. And the spirit of the law might say, I we never consent. imagined that this is how you would exactly, use it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, a new legal uh, precedent could force ArtStation to add a new clause yeah. in that says whether or not you accept to be included into AI training. Because I, because, because uh, if we look, if we talk about lawsuits and what's happening right now, yeah. uh, the, I think there's a few in the works. And the problem is, and this is always the problem with the, with the, the bloody legal system, is it is prohibitive to those who can't afford it. Yes. Uh, and so even if you can afford it. And of course, it, artists are famously poor. <laughs> yes. And this is what makes the, the tech bros muscling in on this so grotesque. Yeah, because they're yeah. seeing they can make money off... Because clearly, these artists have got it easy. Because yeah, clearly, clearly, artists are just rolling in it, you know. <gasps> um, but like, there's a big court case coming through uh, where Getty Images is suing some of these platforms for effectively kind of without permission. Yes. Or, or they would argue... I'm sure the tech bro would argue, ah, but they're in the public domain. Yeah. And Getty were like, not for this, son. No. So this is being fought. And uh, as I heard it, uh, um, some, some people more informed than I said, you shouldn't always be happy with what Getty does, <laughs> but they have a certain power and force behind them to take this, this trial, yeah. which means that it will potentially benefit other people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, so we have one platform fighting uh, uh, a tech uh, company. Yeah. And as another case study, we also have this incredibly specific case in the field of comics now. Yes, this is really interesting. Where we have a creator suing, or fight, I don't know quite how it works, but effectively battling the US Copyright Office <laughs> over whether their AI illustrated comic can be copyrighted. Now, they, they, this creator, this artist, and I yeah. put that in heavy inverted yeah. commas, um, was up front that their comic was created by AI. Yeah, and, and to set the scene, like, the thing I find really weird, uh, it's different in the UK versus the US. Patent is different to trademark, which is different to copyright. copyright. Absolutely. Copyright is universal and instant. Yes. So you don't, in the UK, despite what some websites will tell you, need to apply for copyright you do not on a know. thing. If you can prove a trail in your creation of that product, it is yours. And it's very easy to prove that. You're protected. Yeah. Now, in the US... I don't know if it's different. I don't there's know. apparently a copyright office. Yes. I believe there is. I think you have to apply for it. Yeah. yeah. So I can't remember her name. And frankly, I don't want to dignify her by <laughs> naming her here. Because uh, this makes me quite angry. Yes. Um, she is a writer. And I think this is why it makes me particularly angry. Because this, like, this is like my dark half. This is like the road not travelled. <laughs> where she had a vision for a story. Couldn't illustrate it. Didn't want to pay an artist. Couldn't pay an artist. Let's be charitable. So used mid-journey to illustrate her comic. Right. Probably panel by panel. Because as you said, it'd be quite hard to tell a, an AI to do a whole comic page. Agreed. So she's yeah. probably like, panel one, this, and then she's maybe assembling it. Yeah, probably, yeah. So she, she made this comic, submitted it to the US Copyright Office. They said, yeah, congrats, yeah, cop copyright granted. And on the cover, she said, this is by my name. Yeah. And also Midjourney. She credited Midjourney as an artist almost. Yes. yes. So she's made her comic, submitted it to the Copyright Office. They granted copyright. She then took to Instagram, or whatever platform, I believe it was Instagram, and started bragging, quite publicly, this is a major landmark for AI artists, oh, because God. the US copyright has just granted me copyright on my AI illustrated comic. This is a proud day. This proves that, a, that, that you can copyright AI artwork. And she, sh and she is up front and centre, open, proud, 
shameless. Like, I, I did this and it is a good thing. And the wild thing that she thinks that that is a good precedent that she yeah. set is absolutely wild to yes. me. Absolutely insane. And she would argue that this is freedom for people who have the vision but not the tools. The democratisation of those who cannot draw. Yes. Yeah. So that post got a ton of attention because yep, she probably, probably had a bit of a following. Bad. And also imagine a lot of the tech bros and news icons agencies were picking up on this because this is this is uh this is news this way. is day zero now yes everything's right. possible yeah to which the copyright office see this post and go hang on a minute we didn't understand what the hell mid journey was you drew this with an ai we reject your copyright we've taken Brilliant. it away and immediately she's like we're taking you to court yes and now all her posts are be not her posts but all her statements are coming via her lawyer interesting and isn't that interesting that she had she lawyered up immediately yeah. almost as if she was waiting for this fight yes like she was almost surprised that she was granted copyright to start with yes. she was hoping to have a battle on her hands yeah. she didn't get one she decided to go to social media to to, to publicize her triumph only to then get the battle she'd probably already been prepared for all this time yes and I, I want, agree. This is egregious, and, and I want to put a pin in this and say, uh, just, just let's just let's just note here that whatever she will end up paying in legal fees, even if she wins and, and I don't know gets money back or whatever, will be astronomical compared to what she could have spent on paying an artist. <laughs> like that's so true. She's lawyered yeah. up. Yeah, and 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 also worryingly, I, I will be watching this court case closely because if she does win, it is a precedent. Yeah, and it will become a precedent that now. The, the, there'll be no way that you can stand against it because it's like, well, you know, we ruled before, mm. so we'll rule again, and and you can copyright AI generated artwork. And US uh, high ranking judges are historically uh, very conservative, uh, get very confused by things they don't really understand. Yeah. That could actually work in our favour, though. Oh, it could. Because I'd imagine a more conservative judge would probably value traditional values. They don't typically like artists, conservatives, <laughs> but. Uh, they could see this scary, weird, techie robot presence as something that doesn't sit well with their 1950s mm. viewpoint and therefore will shut it down kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe. That could work in our favour. I actually think she will lose. Yeah. I'm pretty confident she will. I think she she'll will. make a... But, but again... I, 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 she'll I, make a splash. And the really really disgusting thing about it is it just shows it was never about the comic. Yes. It that's was, so true. It was never about the comic. This was about making a point. There's another good controversy that's very now as well, which is about uh, Corridor Digital's video. Yes. Which uh, which uh, basically Corridor Digital Eye, special effects, uh, sort of like indie special effects YouTube channel, but they're huge. They've got yeah. a massive following on YouTube. One of the biggest YouTubers on, yeah. on the platform. And their whole gimmick is they, they sort of try and do Hollywood level special effects on short films that they make. But on a very small scale, they yeah. prove how democratized the technology is and everything. And they, they're very good. They know they know what they're doing. They recently made a video where they shot the entire video with actors in costumes against a green screen. They did all of that work. Mm. Then they fed every single frame of this video, it's a short video, into an AI to turn themselves into kind of cartoon versions of the real actors. Yes, yes. In a way to sort of create animation without having to use animators. Yes. So what ended up happening is that the actors ended up looking like cartoon versions of the actors, and it kind of ended up looking like a bit like an anime, a Japanese cartoon. Mm. But the way they did this was by training their AI that created every frame of their animation on a jumble of 80s and 90s screenshots of anime yes. from the time. Things that have and continue to have a very uh, specific style. Agreed. Yes, a few animes by the same hand, same artist. Yeah. Few others that just have a style that's similar to that artist. Yes. But they claimed that they were just basically grabbing 
uh, imagery that is freely available on the internet. And again, here we back, back to this Wild West 4chan mm. kind of like argument. Oh, it's all out there, mate. You know, it's, it, it, it's yeah. mine to use if I want. Grabbed all of these screenshots of, of art, of, of anime that was it's, it's like 40 years old at this point. You know, argue, they would argue no one cares. Mm. <laughs> very, very specific styles, though. Hundreds of screenshots. They trained their AI on that. Yes. And so therefore, the cartoon versions of these actors that were generated by this looked like a hodgepodge, but a very tight hodgepodge of those styles. Yes. And then what they ended up creating was something they entirely created themselves. They trained their own AI and they shot every single part of it. It was a huge amount of work that they did. And the result is very slick and very stylish. Mm. It's a bit janky mm. because the AI is still obviously making mistakes. But the whole thing looks very slick and stylish. And there's a whole camp of people who are like, wow, this is revolutionary. This is going to change how a lo- an animation look. Because I'd argue it isn't animation because no. you're still filming live action. This is a, a revolutionary way that animation can be created. And then there's a whole other chunk of people who are like, you did not ask for consent from those artists that you trained your AI on. And it comes down to... You've stolen their style. Yeah, and this is, this is the thing where this is like a new crime. If it is a crime, you know what I mean? This yes, is a, it's new, a, uh, a new crime. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> this is like a new offence. If yeah. it is an offence, because... Uh, like, here's the thing, like, um, uh, Weird Al. Weird yeah. Al Yankovic. Um, oh, here's a good... Yeah. Known for doing parodies. Yes. And he always said, like, he never did a parody that he didn't get a permission to do. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know... Um, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, does Smells Like Nirvana. And the joke, it's the same tune, but the joke is that you can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> so, uh, so Weird Al had different categories of songs. He would do direct parodies. Yep. He would do uh, polkas, yes. which are just like, you know, like a like a, played, a popular tune played in a different style. Yep, yep, yep. He would do uh, original tracks. like yes. br- just, just make his own music. Brand new original Weird Al Yankovic tracks. He would also do a thing he called a style parody. Interesting. So he has a song called Dare to be Stupid. It's a Weird Al Yankovic song done in the style of the band Devo. Right. It yeah. is not a copy of a Devo song. But it sounds like a Devo song. Yes. And it is evoking the styles and vibes and themes of <laughs> Devo. So very elaborate music videos like yeah. uh, discordant tunes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And everybody gets it instantly. Yeah. And of course, it's Weird Al. Devo love it. No one's hurt. Everyone's right. having a good time. Weird Al's got a lot of uh, goodwill. But it is a style parody. Yes. Which is like a thing which I don't think anyone else does. And now we're in the lands of visual style parodies. Yes. Well, yeah. it's not even, well it is parody because Corridor's video isn't really intended to be a serious animation. It's, no. It's intended to be a goofy kind of piss take of, of 80s and 90s yes. anime. But, but uh, we can come back to that. Yeah. yeah, but but the issue is, I guess, that someone else might use it to make something that's very serious and and, and very not a parody. Not, and and and. But I don't think even parody necessarily excuses what they've done, unless you look at it through the Weird Al lens, where it's like, oh, we're doing a visual style like homage yeah. knockoff parody. Like, is does that make it okay? Well, uh, do you remember, um, I've, I've talked about something I've heard before on uh, the Comic Lab podcast with Brad Geiger and Dave Kellett. Yes. They were talking about fan art, yep, yep, yep. which I think is the closest... Fan art is really a really good analogue The here. closest controversial subject we have to this. Probably define fan art real quickly. Yeah, so um, like, uh, particularly in the field we're in, in yep. the field of artists and comics and stuff, um, uh, you might have a style a very, uh, a very, you may be a good artist, you have a style entirely of your own, but your entire oeuvre, your entire output might be drawing recognisable characters that people enjoy. Yes. Uh, so, so, for I'm, example, I have a unique style, 
uh, Nick Angel, I have a unique style. I draw Spider-Man yes. in my style. And you draw Spider-Man because you like Spider-Man. I do. You like drawing him. Uh, so Monday, you might draw Spider-Man, release it on, on your Instagram. Tuesday, Superman. Then, oh, I don't know, kind of... Uh, Link from Zelda. Link from Zelda, character from My Hero Academia. You know, like you love drawing yeah. these characters and people love seeing them. In a new sort of uh, visual approach. Yes. Yeah. But say, say that gains you uh, 100,000 followers. Yeah. Would you have a fraction of that following if you were drawing original characters? Categorically, no. Because, <laughs> now you might say to yourself, well, me drawing Superman, that's not hurting Warner Brothers. No. But you are instantly benefiting from plugging into a character that Warner Brothers have spent hundreds of millions of pounds promoting. Yes. Like, you are getting free advertising Superman is a cultural icon. Yeah. You did not have to make him a cultural icon. Of course icon. you've got a thousand likes on that. Yeah. Yeah. And a non-discerning public, they don't think about these things. I can't blame them for it, but they're just not thinking. No. Yeah. And this plays into your point earlier about copyright, because you can copyright a character. Yes. Superman's copyright probably is man with curl of hair on his forehead, wearing a red and blue suit with a yellow S on his chest and a red cape. Yeah. Flying in the air. And doubly, they've probably trademarked the S. Almost definitely yeah. as well. So, so, yeah, so, so you're right. This, yeah. this however, this is, is clear This is how fan art yeah. can be truly uh, litigated against, because it is, like, objectively... Against the law. Yes. Yeah. It, Particularly it, if you, well, if you sell it. Well, specifically. but but this is, this we'll is, try to. and this goes to the corridor digital thing, because the thing that Brad and Dave said is, imagine you have a Disney lawyer standing over your shoulder. This is great. Yeah. At what point do they tell you to stop? Yes. I'm sitting at home. I have a pad of paper. I'm drawing Superman. Yeah. Look they're, over my shoulder. Lawyer's like, it's fine. Yeah, carry Draw on. Draw away, my friend. Okay. Um, I scan it into my computer. I digitally color it. I make it look really good. I upload it to Instagram. Yeah. The lawyer's there. The lawyer's like, mm, uh, okay. It's, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's probably fine. Uh, I print off a hundred copies of this print on high quality paper and I take them to a convention because I'm going to be selling them for five quid each. each. Now the lawyer's like, hang on, sir. The lawyer slams his hand on the Yeah. Table. Okay, okay, I won't do that, I won't do that. Uh, what if um, I say this video, uh, you can get this, this picture uh, by subscribing to my Patreon. And the lawyer might go, hang on, son, that sounds a lot like you're selling it. And you're like, okay, well, how about this then? What if I, the picture's free. I'm not selling the picture, it's just on my Instagram. Okay, that's fine. But, but if, if my followers want to support me and throw me some money, that's a secondary source of income. The two things are not connected. Right. And this is where the grey area creeps in. Because you're not spent, you're, your customers are not handing over money for the direct receipt of uh, copyrighted materials that don't belong to you. Yes. But they are, however, paying you to make copyrighted materials that do not belong to you. Yes. <laughs> and that distinction is apparently enough. And I can see why it's enough legally. It's still a loophole, mm. undeniably a loophole. But, but, you know, I can see why that kind of works. Yeah, because... And this goes to the corridor digital thing, because it's like, who's being hurt? And when would a lawyer say this is an issue? So the characters in Corridor Digital's video yeah. are not characters from the animes they trained their AI no. on. For, for example, one of the notable animes they trained it on is an anime called Vampire Hunter D. Very stylish. Yes. And yeah. they, they arguably, 75% of the images they trained it on are from Vampire Hunter D. It's got a very noticeable style. And their resultant video looks a lot like Vampire Hunter D. However, mm. there are iconic characters from that anime, and those characters are not present in the film that Corridor made. No. But... But... 
if you showed it to a lay person, they'd probably go, "Oh, is this a Vampire Hunter D thing?" Yeah. Or if you showed them to, "This is Vampire Hunter D," and this is a, this is what do you, what anime do you think this is from? Oh, is that also from Vampire Hunter D? Because they no, look very similar. They do. No, that's funny, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, that's funny. And here we are into like style. Yeah. Style stealing. And Corridor Digital, Corridor Digital would probably go. We did this as a thought experiment. People yeah. expect this of us. This is our brand. We do weird, provocative stuff. Yes. We are not selling this product. We put it up on YouTube for free. Yeah. Now it's probably had a million or so views. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. How much ad revenue are they gathering from that? Great question. Uh, how much does Corridor Digital make on its Patreon? How well, they they you can subscribe to their website. Oh, okay, because of their website. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So how um, much like secondary following money huge, do they huge make? Amount, yeah. Probably. Yeah. So it's like how much of a benefit to your business model is having a YouTube video with thirteen million views. Like, a huge benefit. That's going to raise your profile tremendously. That is going to get so many more eyes on your brand. Yeah. Now. They have successfully, as a lot of people have, broken the connection between the thing you're putting out and the money coming in. Yep. You are never selling the thing. No. It's a loophole. Yeah. But the reason this video is getting traction is because people are going like, oh my God, it looks just like a 90s anime. Yeah. Even if they're not familiar with Vampire Hunter D. So they are benefiting from pre-existing market penetration of a thing that they did not market yes. or spend the money to market or even create. And going more conceptual, if, if it's not the marketing, they are benefiting from the years of training and development of a style that these Japanese anime artists put into. Hand-drawn, by the way. Hand-drawn, making their work so iconic. Yeah. And this is kind of where we are now. Yeah. This is, this is, this is the front line, I think, because we're at a point where we... Stealing art germ specific style from a drop down menu is so blatantly egregious that I don't think that's going to last much longer. No. But this scarier, weirder, greyer territory of, oh, it's just a style, is hugely problematic because, and, and this is where it gets deeply personal for me, because, like you said earlier, I wasn't that worried about this. Mm. I'm Nick Angel, I'm making my own thing, people come to me for my thing. But conceivably, there will come a time, and I don't think it's that far away, where even someone as small internet wise as me, Someone could write into an AI, make something that looks like Nick Angel's artwork. I think I think this is I think this is the, the, the truth that exposes the lie here because like it's the same with fan art. It's a popularity contest. Mm. And people say, Oh, it's about art, it's about like uh, uh, expression. I, expression. But isn't it interesting, because of course why wouldn't it be, that these AIs are using the tools of the most popular artists out there. Yeah. Now and again Meaning this in the nicest way, as you rightly said, you don't have that following. No. As your art style. Your art style is not as well known. No, thank God. <laughs> but if interesting, if Out the Gate, uh, uh, Mid Journey had come out and it had gone for artists such as yourself yeah. without that following, that would feel a lot more deeply personal, it wouldn't really it? really would. And everyone would go, that's weird. But they wouldn't do that. And we have sat next to somebody talking about fan art, using this as an analogy, who said that their biggest challenge ahead of uh, going to a show was working out which character they were going to do fan art of. Which would be which would make them the money. Yes. And it's not every character under the sun. No. It's which character from this pool of almost 
public domain characters. Almost. Almost. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> these publicly recognizable characters is going to make me the most money. And this, these, this is like trend watching, right? Yes. This is like, oh, right now, Chainsaw Man, for example. Yes, anime, yes. Incredibly popular. Should I get a bunch of Chainsaw Suit Man prints? Yes. Or should I get a bunch of My Hero Academia prints? What's going to resonate? If I was a fan artist, yeah. I would be thinking I should probably do a Chainsaw Man print. Yes. Yes. If I, if I was a fan yeah. artist. And we could have said in that moment, and this is like the, the thing I didn't say to that person was, why aren't you drawing Jack Fortune? Your character. Yes, who is the main character from my comic. Why aren't you drawing Jack Fortune? And they would have rightfully turned around and said, because nobody knows who that is. Who the fuck is Jack Fortune? Yeah, who Fortune? the fuck is Jack Fortune? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so why won't you draw a character that no one knows who it is? And they say, because nobody would buy it. And there we go. And there we go. Yeah, it's not to do with artistic expression. It's not to do with, oh, isn't it a fun experiment to see how my style evolves into different characters? No, because you're only picking characters that sell. And the only reason they sell is because they're already market penetrated by the people who originated and created them. So you are literally, by admission, purely objectively, admitting that the only reason you're drawing these characters is to make money off of their popularity that you had no hand in. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but like... I, I, I'm not committed. It's not my. It's not my position here to come after fan artists because I know it's a grey area. But when you when you're that blatant as this person, particularly that you're talking about, is there's no there's no other answer. There's no other excuse no. for what you're doing. Yeah. I used to draw fan art when yeah. I was a lot younger. When I was starting out the comic scene, I would have my comics that I draw entirely, and then I had a few prints, and, and typically they were actually Spider Man and Zelda. I had yes. I had a print of each, and I used to joke that Zelda that my Link print. Um, would pay for my hotel mm. because I would sell so many of those and I was selling them for like five quid each just printed on A3 paper I'd have a stack of them on my table people be- would walk over and they'd go ha that's Link from Zelda that's cool yeah. I'll buy that and and they would I would sell enough of those that they would pay my hotel for that for the con that show and one day I consciously and I tell this story a lot but and I, I, and I don't say it because I'm like oh look how much of a hero I am I'm, I'm saying it because it's a significant point that that points towards why you would stop drawing fan yes, art. Yes, it was right? a point in your journey. Yeah. yeah, where I was like, they're not buying that because of my artistic take, style, talent, ability. They're buying it because they recognise him. Yes. And I immediately realised that this was worth nothing to me on my creative journey yeah. and, and, and as my development as an artist. Because while it was a good picture and yeah. you're a good artist, you would be eternally nagged by the idea that like, it is nothing, I am the least important part of this equation yeah. basically yes yes, yes exactly yeah, yeah and so overnight i didn't take them anymore to shows i didn't take any fan art i only sold my own stuff and my profits i I'd probably dropped to a third of what they were and that immediately exposed to me oh my god that's how much money i was making off somebody else's ip yeah the only way i'm ever gonna know if i am an artist of any quality value decency talent whatever you want to call it is by is by doing doing this with my stuff yes and, and I grew it after that. Point. Yeah, and 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 so I was forced to. And you could you could say, and, and there are, there are maybe legitimate questions to be raised about uh, the stranglehold that large corporations have on certain IP. Sure, a corporation has more power, money, and time than an individual. So is it is it fair that you know Disney can enforce their IP so rigorously, whereas you, a star, a new creator out the door, you don't have the resources to defend your IP? True. Now. There are some big questions that can be talked about that. That is that is a question for another day because until the law changes, yeah. you have to apply the law equally to everyone. Yeah. And we could get angry and say, it is not fair. Why can't I draw Superman? 
Yeah. That's a funny thing to be angry about, but yes, yeah, yeah you could be angry yeah, about why it. Why can't I, guess. I sell pictures of But it's like but if you if you didn't have those restrictions, what's protecting you? you. Exactly. Because, because I bet when they come for you, yeah. when your comic blows up yeah. and then and you've been a fan artist all your life, but you've also been developing a comic, and then when the fan artists come for you and they start making more money off their pictures of your hero than yeah. you make off your comic, I bet you're gonna be yeah. upset. Because I would be this this is this is not gonna happen because the char- my characters do not have this reach. But if somebody started selling Jack Fortune prints without my permission, I'd be livid. Yeah, of course you would. I'd be livid because you are stealing money out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, money and, out of my and, mouth, food out of my mouth or whatever, yeah. And you, like, you're right, you have to apply the principles of these rules, these yeah. laws, unilaterally. Yes. You have to. Because otherwise, it's one rule for one guy yes. and one rule for someone else. And the rule seems to be in favour of the rich person. Yeah. And that's not on. No. I don't want to live and, in a world like that. And it sucks, I get it, but like... It does suck. Yeah, but... It, but also, it, you don't need to draw Superman. No, and it cuts both ways. I would much yeah. rather that instead of drawing Superman, you made a new story of something I've yeah. never seen before with a character I've never seen with your incredible artistic talent. Because this is the thing. A lot of fan artists are incredible artists. Very good. It's, not it's like, yeah. imagine if they put that energy into something new. Now, a lot of them will say, well, I can't get any traction online with my original property mm. unless I build a fan base first, join yeah. recognisable characters, and then introduce that fan base to my cool yeah. new thing. Now, I will, to a degree, accept that. Yes. Because they're not selling. Like, So, for example, if they weren't selling that fan art, but they were instead just using it as a way to popularise themselves online. There's still a grey area here. Yeah. Because, of course, the only way, surely you as an artist, know that you have any artistic merit or value is by not drawing fan art, as I discussed earlier. But, okay, you have to penetrate the hordes of mindless people on the internet. I yeah. get it. Right. So you draw a load of Teen Titans. You draw a load of Sailor Moons. You draw a load of those. And then you get 10,000 followers. And you go, hey, guys, I'm working on a comic. And maybe 10% of that 10,000 go, hey, that comic looks cool. Yeah. And I will accept that that is a potentially necessary evil, we could call it, yeah. to, to get there. And, and I, this is why I'm very uh, adamant to say I'm not here to blast fan artists. No. We, this we, is not what this is about. Yeah. I'm here to, to, to try and explain the fact that legally, like, we don't... We might want to draw this stuff. Yes. We might want to sell this stuff. Yeah. But we don't... We, we, we because, can't. Because, because if people... If people and, and smarter people than us have put it simpler, which is simply like... You go, what are your thoughts on fan art? And it's like, well, I'm sorry. The first thing we have to say is it is illegal. It's illegal. Like now, how that is applied, how it is judged, how it is enforced is a different matter. But you just have to accept right off the gate, it is actually illegal. I'm sorry, it's illegal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, but it then is. now, whether great... you think it should be illegal, yeah, yeah, again, yeah, yeah. Now, is it enforced? That's a different matter. And so pulling this back, I guess. Yeah. Well, if I if I could, I'm yeah, sure, sorry, yeah. to mind. It's like is the sliding scale of effort. Because, yes. because say like, uh, it's funny what it's like. Where, where would the lawyer say this is an issue? Yeah. Now, if you're now if you're at a convention and you're taking commissions and you are drawing pictures on the day, or you're going to draw a picture, finish it in a week and post it to someone, a one-off commission, someone comes to your table and goes, "Would you draw me Link from Legend of Zelda?" Now, isn't it funny that that doesn't strike me as being as egregious? No, apparently it's not illegal. Yeah, because that is like it is an artistic commission. Yeah. That's fine. Singular expression of originality. Yeah. So, okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I, you I haven't commoditized yeah. it. Believe me, you're not going to get a hard time from, from me for doing that. No. But if you are turned up with a stack of prints, that's like the next stage of egregiousness. Because yes. that's like, now this is a problem because you've made a commercial product to sell using someone else's IP. You've basically made merchandise. Yeah. But it's still something you drew. Yep. So 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 this is so that's where the artistry comes in, and this yep. is where the grey area comes in, because that picture would not exist if you had not drawn it. Agreed. Now let's look at through the lens of Comic Cons, things we have physically witnessed. We have seen, and we used to call them art farms. You'd go to a convention, yes. and you would see somebody sitting at a table with a stack of prints, almost as tall as they are. Yeah. 
that they have just printed off Google. They've gone on Google Image Search, they've searched Chainsaw Man. Yep. They found a load of artworks, not drawn by the original artists that created Chainsaw Man, but like other people who fan arted him. Yeah. Or, or frankly, sometimes. Or even the original. Yeah, sometimes like official yeah. artwork. From but either way, yeah. they are so undiscerning that they will print five different ones yeah. of him. They'll print 100 copies of each, and then they will take. And so now, now we've got people selling fan artists' work yeah. without the fan artist's permission. Yes. It's insanely. Because you used to get... You what a place we are. You used to get these art prints. And it was always like some kind of like grimy man sitting behind a table covered in like Google art. Oh, do you want to see the Justice League? But it's like The Last Supper. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, they the didn't table. draw that shit. Yeah, That's fan art. Found that on Google. Yeah. Printed that out, you know. If you ask the guy, he's there in a leather apron, you know. He's just got like meat juices all over. <laughs> all right, yeah, but art butcher. Yeah. <laughs> did you draw this? Nah, mate, I found yeah, mate. it. Yeah, it's a just blatant. Yeah, did you... Did, did you draw this? Well, it's free country, mate. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Yeah, 20 quid. Yeah. Funnily yeah, enough, yeah. we've seen these. We call them art farms. We've seen these and then we've seen them on the second day of the show and they're gone. Yes. And it's because they've been shut down. Yes. Because it's but so illegal. Because you so get in and you get out as quickly as you can. Yeah. yeah. Or they or they have been yeah. literally taken down. And then, of which course, is rare. And I'm, you know, a couple of years ago, we were at an MCM event and this was doubly egregious and this is an issue for another day. But And we've talked about it before because it made us really salty. Uh, in the artist alley, which is supposed to be the bastion of pure independent. creativity, yeah. independent creatives, there was a dude just selling effectively official artwork from Bleach, One Piece, uh, any anime under the sun. Literally just like Google searched and printed it. Yes. And they were not enforcing it. No. They did not kick that person out of their they ass. And then beyond that still, you have big booths with superstar fan artists who have covered every single wall with recognisable shots yes. of, of recognisable characters. Yes. And they are making money hand over fist. Yeah. Because people are queuing up to buy Elsa and to buy Moana yes. pictures. Yeah. And they drew everything themselves. Yeah. 100%. But that is a factory. Yeah. It is a factory. They are turning it out, they're following trends so they can get the yes. popular character and they're yeah. ready for it. And do you think the lawyer would be happy about that? I think not. Anyway, sorry, this has been a long rant, but my point is is that <laughs> very soon we are going to be at a Comic Con. And we are going to see both a booth selling AI-generated fan art. We are. By the Ream. Yeah, we are. And, yeah. and we are going to be sitting next to somebody selling a comic, an original comic. Maybe wrote and illustrated. By an AI. Yes, we are. This is going to happen. And this is probably still going to happen inside this window that we're currently in, this Wild West window of pre-litigation, pre-legal precedent, right? Pre-knowing how to police and indemnify yes. these people. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, conclusion. I don't know is the answer. I know, I know when it seems egregiously and obviously illegal. Mm. And I know when it seems incredibly grey and unsure. I feel like Corridor kind of falls into the grey area, but at the same time, they didn't get permission yeah. or consent from the things they trained it on. Yeah. But they did yeah. put a lot of front-end work of their own in. So there's a lot of grey yeah. there. I, I don't think they're good, though. I oddly enough find that slightly less offensive Indeed. than, say, a dude set up a DeviantArt account last week yes. and is now just selling... And making so much money just and, selling and, sexy yeah, ladies. Breaking yeah. into what was previously a creative world purely to say, like, I can make money here. You artists had it easy before. I'm going to steal some of that and I'm going to make yes. sexy ladies and sell them. And then and then we have the the, 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 the purely objectively egregious clicking on Art Germ's name from a drop-down menu yeah, to purely is, make something that looks like him. It's like, uh, we were talking about it. It's like, you know, the definition of what is porn. Yeah. And the, the old joke is, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Yes, you agreed. Know? Is yeah. it art, that, that naked woman's posing with an urn, you know, or is it porn? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's the same with this. I don't know what's wrong, but I, I know, know it when, when I, I see, see it. it. Exactly. And the thought experiment we, we, we talked about yesterday, 
the one that sent chills down down your spine. Yeah, it's horrible. Is now okay for me. As, how's this going to come for us? Like yeah. us personally. Now me, I have uh, a copyrighted IP franchise that's been going ten years, revolving around a cast of characters that are original creations. I am a writer. I have relied on over sixty artists in that time to bring my characters to life. Yeah. So you can't really train John Locke here, writer speaking. You can't train an art AI to steal a style from me because I'm not an artist. No, not a, not a visual yeah. style, certainly. Uh, yeah. So, so my so if they were to copy my any artwork from my books, they'd be copying other artists' artwork, which is bad for those artists. It sucks for them. And that, and they will be. And this, I'm just talking about me personally, being selfish right now. Yeah, yeah. But if they try to copy artwork, train something off my books, I don't know how it even works. No. They will be copying copyrighted characters. Indeed. You can't copy after I think without copying these recognizable characters, which is clear cut. And you would probably be safe in a legal battle. Yeah. With now, in a few months' time, in uh, a year's time, when the technology gets there, they could be generating scripts. Yeah. Based off my style, they could. Yes. If they wanted to. Yeah. Now you, in a weird way, I think are more vulnerable. I think so. Because yeah. you have a big, uh, theoretical example, you have a big following on your Discord, you have a bunch of people who love your products, and you have a field where people share their artwork that they've drawn in your world. Yes. There are no recognisable characters. No, because the, this, the essence and sense of drawing a colossal artwork is to embody what it is that makes colossal unique. Yes. And there's many things that make colossal yeah. unique. So as long as you embody some of those principles, your artwork will be of a colossal yeah. nature. So theoretically, somebody could take every image you've drawn and shared on your Patreon, to your fangs, in your books, on your Discord. They could run them through an AI and they could generate an original body of work because they love your products and my style and your style that is an original Nick Angel creation yes and they could share it and go I'm hey guys I'm just sharing this I'm not making any money off it but I have success- isn't this fun I successfully captured Nick's soul at, yeah. in a bottle and I can summon him at will to draw me a picture and this did send chills down my spine and my reaction to that person would be why do you need me then yeah you you came here to support another creator who made a thing that you liked. Yeah. And you took that goodwill. Because in a way it is goodwill. Yes, I'm making a product that you're buying, but also you're supporting me on the goodwill and the understanding, this sort of social contract, that by supporting me, I will make more cool things that you like. Yeah. So why, why, why would you have the audacity to go out of your way? And there's no there's no other, I don't think, answer to this question. Why would you go out of your way to replace me? It's this idea, and quite an arrogant idea, that like and and it kind of ties into like I think it's internet culture and the way we consume things is like very often you'll stumble down a new avenue where you discover something you enjoy that you've never seen before yeah and then you will intensely consume it over two weeks and you will immerse yourself and the moment you've immersed yourself in it the moment you've kind of consumed everything that's available it's like I know it now yeah I've done it and it won't take you long it will take you it'll take you much less time to do that than the creator did to make it yes and that's the arrogance of it because now you know I know this, I know it intimately, I know it conceptually. So you could almost go, stop. Like you just press stop, I don't need that anymore. And it's like, take a snapshot, it's all done. Yep. Feed it into an AI, I get on demand, I can just get more of it. Yeah. It's as if, because the innovation is taken out of it. Yeah. We don't need Nick to innovate anymore. No, we can apparently. Just, yeah, we just got him on tap. Yeah, and, that, and that's the fear. And you know, and, yeah. there, and there's all these people out there who are saying, you know, don't get in the way. This is a natural change. This is the evolution of technology. This is going to be a tool. It's only going to help and lift artists. And I'm sorry, but at this stage, until something can prove it otherwise, there are aspects to it that, that, that back that claim up. But I think a majority of them, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, no. 
It is yeah. coming for artists. It is taking away what made their work unique, their talent unique, their, their, their years of dedicated skill and experience unique. They are coming for that. And I really do not see it. Like I'm coming down now on my final opinion, I think. But I really do not see it at this point in any other way. I mean, it'd be nice to say that like, ah, but yeah, the people whose opinions matter will know what's bad, will know what's good. And, and, and they're still going to... But I can't pro- trust those people. No, and the problem is they're not the final arbiters. Sadly. They're probably not artists either. No, because no. it's the same way that like, you know, we've seen it at Comic-Con. You get like, uh, you know, normal people, people who, by which I mean people who aren't engaged in this world, aren't having these conversations, don't know the difference between fan art and original kind of thing. No. They see a picture of Spider-Man. They love it. They're going to buy it. Why? Because they like it. Yeah. It's not... They and This isn't their battle. No, it's not their battle to fight. No. And they don't care if it's... And like, I'm not blaming those people. No, and you can't blame Sadly. them. Sadly. Yeah. You yeah. know, I kind of sometimes wish the audience was a bit more discerning, but you can't force that on them. It's no. like, if they like a thing, they're going to buy it. They don't care if it's fan art, who drew it, if it's official artwork, they don't know the difference. No, that's true. And, yeah. and, and, and like you say, like some of the arbiters, some of the people who are meant to be policing this field, they don't know either. Yeah. You know, when we when we complained about that fan artist in the artist alley, he didn't know that what he was looking at was fan art because he doesn't know the characters. He's not a fan of anime. He's not a fan of cartoons and, yeah. and the stuff that the, the geeks like. He's a businessman who's running a show. Yeah. And so when he sees a smiling pirate boy with a straw hat on, he just goes, that's a picture that's of that person. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know that I'm like, the most famous manga character ever made. Oh, he drew that, did he? He's got a very versatile style. It's funny how he can draw like a hundred different ways. And uh, his response will be, well, some people do, John. Some yeah. people do have a versatile style. <laughs> well, that's, that, and that's the slightly depressing thing as well, because in these situations, it's like the art, art community, such as it is, is scattered. Yeah. It's incredibly scattered. We don't Fractured have a co- and broken. we don't have a cohesive voice. There are groups within groups within groups. Even in comics, even in UK comics, we can't agree <laughs> on anything. So it's like, who's going to police this? Yeah. Who are we going to look to? It's not going to gonna be us. Because if we're looking to uh, some of the larger convention organisers in the UK, they're well, not doing it. Jesus Christ, they're not doing it with fan art. You no. know, you look at the big London shows. It's 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 you're out on your own. There. And that's Lawless. kind of partly why we wanted to make this podcast. Yeah, particularly this episode because like. Like we said at the very beginning, the only way that this is ever going to be like effectively, uh, you know, legalized in some capacity or not, is is by the opinions of those very fractured people who can't come together and make a decision. But maybe we can all just put our thoughts out there. Yeah, you know, maybe in a way this can make a difference. No, that's the thing. Because again, if you, if you try to stymie a technology, then you're a luddite. Yes, you know, uh, or and a, that's a lot of the argument that's yeah. being used. Or or, or a you know sour. You're 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 you know you're bitter. Yeah. You know. Sour grapes. Yeah. Yeah. But all we have is the ability to complain. Yeah. Like, all we have yeah, is... That the is abil- literally all we have. And, and that's... And frankly, that's a right I'm going to engage because it, it's... um, It's kind of like... It's like this lady... To, to circle back to this, this, this lady who's bringing this court case about her AI. Wouldn't it be a different matter if the comic she'd created had been brilliant? Yeah. You know, truly inspired. Yeah. And actually, as far as I can ascertain, it's a rather beige, bland-looking comic... Um, about zombies. That, yeah, and uh, how many stories of zombies yeah. have we had? And also, the lettering is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't normally want to call people out, but like, I think this person no. has opened herself up to some criticism. Yeah. you had the artistic vision to employ an AI. You didn't have the artistic vision or critical eye to realise that the lettering is bad and detracts from the comic. Yeah. What? Where's the care? Well, this is the thing. She's yeah. not very good at making comics. No. And, and and the proof is that therefore the, the product she's made while trying to shortcut it and get around the fact that she's never really drawn or made a comic page in her life mm. is now evidence from the fact that the bits that she had to do after the AI had finished its work 
you know, betray that instantly. Mm. And, and, and so in a funny sort of way, like maybe, maybe it will self-police. I don't know. You know, I was going to, I was going to say, I try and end this thing with mm. a sort of like bright yeah, side. Please. Yeah, please. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and maybe that's one bright, one such bright side that maybe, you know, that the, the lack of creativity of those who will use this platform, this system will be, will always mean that the stuff that they make always sits below the greater artistic merit that those who are truly creative can make. Maybe that's part one. Part two, I think is the fact that maybe the consent issue is going to be how we how we fight this, mm. and and you know the instant you put out the law and the law the letter of the law is that if you want to train an AI on an artist you have to gain their consent first. Mm. I think ninety nine percent of artists will say no, and there will be untrained AIs out there that that they'll be the illegal ones, but you'll be able to police those very easily mm. by saying. You didn't get consent. And if this, this fictitious person that you created tries to make stuff of mine, I'll be able to say, you did not get consent from me. I'm taking you to court. Yeah. And I will be able to win that because of the consent issue. And I think that will be the linchpin mm. in defining how we, we, we fight this. But there's one final thing. Please. And, the, and it, is, it is a light. Not at the end of the tunnel necessarily, but, but certainly along the way. Um, some of the AI developers are adding invisible digital watermarks to everything it creates. Ah. So when it creates an image, you can't see anything in there. But if you run it through a special piece of software, again, that they've developed, it will go, yep, yeah, this is AI generated. Now, this will mean that when we go to court, all you'll have to do as a, as a, as a lawyer that's trying to fight your case is if, if the, the case is, I don't know if this is uh, AI generated or not, if this is made law as well, that they have to have these invisible digital watermarks in them, you'll be able to run it through the mm. software and it will come out objectively and just go, yes, an AI made this. And then the consumer has to make a, a choice whether they care or not, exactly. basically. Yeah. 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 But if the litigation is based on, you know, someone tried to claim that this AI art that they used, say, in their comic, they made, they drew mm. it. And then Stanley Lau, for example, takes them to court and says, that's clearly an AI trained on my artwork. They go, no, 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 no. I'm just, I just took influence from you. Then in the court case, they would run it through this software and it would go, no, it's AI. And not only that, it was trained on Stanley Lau's artwork. And he would win instantly if that was the letter of the law. Yes. And that's the bright side I'm holding on to is this watermarking yeah. consent issue and potentially just the greater creative merit of humans over AI. And, and uh, yes, and, to, and if I have a positive thought on it, yes. it would simply be that... We we are permitted to have these these uh, these blowouts these these angry discussions because right now it is the wild west yeah and I think it is a threat and I think it is a it is an irresponsible thing but we can't stop it no if I have a silver lining is that I think um, right now we're seeing the gold rush <laughs> where the untalented greedy and the lazy yeah. are rushing in to exploit what they think is a rich vein yep. But these people have been around since the dawn of time. And we've right. seen it before with NFTs. NFTs, crypto. It's like every time there's a creative field, there is a subculture of hangers-on trying so to exploit it. And I have to hope that, and frankly, it's moving very quickly. So who knows? In six months' time, maybe it's no longer profitable. That, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. Because if 50,000 yeah. people create new accounts selling like just cheapo sexy generico artwork you won't be able to distinguish the market will bottom out and it, they'll, it'll be saturated and they'll move on to the next grift and i think you're very right to point out profitability as as the root cause of, of the problem here yeah. because the instant it's not profitable anymore the only people left behind will be those who make stuff because they care about it